0: Untethered Layers. My name is Dalwood Natarath.
1: This is Rachel Tyler.
0: And we are recording from the comfort of my own apartment uh, this wonderful episode uh, because... Last week? Yeah, last week week we got, uh, we ran into some uh, time issues and so we figured it would be easier if we could just kind of keep it casual this time. So if you hear a lot of uh, meowing in the background, that's my wonderful cat, Pia. Mm -hmm. Um, But this week we're talking about the same album we talked about last week, Mokhaleen. Um but we figured that since we had more time uh this week, instead of sort of picking tracks and only talking about them as we mentioned them, we'll do like a track by track breakdown if you want to do that. Does that sound good? Yeah, that you? sounds great. Yeah. I don't know why I asked you because we had to decide on that <laughs> before we started recording. Um so obviously we'll start with the first one, The Soul King, the first uh single that dropped and the first lyrics are the namesake for our uh wonderful little segment. Yeah, you're right. Layers. Untethered layers. Um like I said, this is the first single that dropped. Um surrounding the the release of this album after that was proactive evolution and then one mississippi um, but this was sort of the the track that ignited like my absolute excitement for this album because it was the first thing that we'd heard from from this entire new era of why um
1: yeah I, I think last week you talked about when one mississippi came out mm-hmm. but do you want to talk about when this old king dropped where yeah if you, you have were? any because
0: i i genuinely don't really remember exactly where it was whenever it, whenever mm-hmm. it came out uh, I I, re- I only have that uh, particular memory of one Mississippi because I was like somewhere and I was like I have to be not here right now <laughs> right, <laughs> I have to right. listen to this uh, this track but um
1: yeah I mean I guess uh, mines I guess not that specific but I do yeah. remember just being really excited yeah. because again like we said many times in the last episode this was the first time that we yeah. really were able to listen to singles coming out and had to actually wait to yeah. hear the album which was really frustrating and I kind of I almost don't know how I feel about singles sometimes because really? then when the album comes out, you know you're already so familiar with mm-hmm. uh, a good portion of the songs.
0: Especially whenever you drop half of the half of the actual spoken yeah. tracks in, in a record before it comes out. Um, but I remember uh, whenever this little king came out, like you said, we were all anticipating it, and I I don't think it was like any huge surprise that Y was coming out with the new album, because we had, you know, relatively speaking, our finger on the pulse. So it was just a matter of waiting for the actual, like, the first single to drop and then the press announcement. Um, Yeah, so we we had our fingers, relatively speaking, on the the, uh, Y pulse. So we were kind of just... It was a matter of us waiting for the actual uh, um, official announcement to drop. And then um, whenever This Old King came out, it was sort of... We talked about the first track on each album being like a good indication of what the the record itself is going to sound like. Um, I think this old King plays really well into that, but I think one Mississippi in my opinion, at least um, feeds the most directly into the overarching like theme of existentialism that I feel permeates like this entire record, even if all the tracks aren't about it.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think that this old King is a, was a good choice for the first single Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty um, indicative of the rest of the album. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree. At least Especially with the, the three wise. singles.
0: And I think with the three singles that dropped, Proactive Evolution, uh, This Old King, and One Mississippi, like you said, sound-wise and particularly... Or music-wise, I guess. Yeah, uh, and uh, also thematically, I feel like they are the most similar out of any of the tracks on the record. So it sort of surprised me whenever I heard the last three tracks, uh, Barely Blair," Consequence of Non-Action, and um, The Water because they didn't sound like the single sounded. Um, like like we said, I think those are both three, those are three really good tracks to drop initially. I think they were really strong uh, singles, but it was kind of, usually um, singles that come out don't all necessarily sound the same. They'll have like different flavors of whatever the album's going to sound like. So like I said, it was really surprising whenever I heard the sort of like melancholic piano ballad that was uh, the Barely Blur towards the end of the track, or towards the end of the track list. Not to say that it you know, I didn't enjoy it any the same, but I remember being like, oh, is this like what the end of the of the album is going to sound like? But um, yeah, This whole King, I think was just, it sticks out the most to me as just the song that came out first, um, rather than being one of my favorites. I mean, it's really good, but I think we mentioned last week. And also, um, I cut out some of what we talked about last week, because it was like, it wasn't pertinent to what we were talking about so we may repeat ourselves but also that was last week and i don't remember what i said yesterday so <laughs> um uh, if we repeat ourselves i do apologize but um but yeah this whole king being just like the the single to me um and then the the lyrics you know the the chorus itself the there is no other only this there is no other collapse my stature always now no forever I- Feeding into that idea of like acceptance and existentialism that that is so prevalent in this entire record. Yeah. So after uh, this, Old King, both in the track list and also uh, in release, was proactive evolution. Um, a track that is featuring Aaron Weiss allegedly. He's he's uh, Aaron Weiss being the uh, vocalist of Me Without You. You know this, but Me Without You is another one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and he's one of the the chorus of voices that says the "I'm on fire" part i remember being wildly excited because i had heard like rumors that they were working together and he was going to be featured on this album so as soon as this uh track came out and everybody was like this is the one that aaron's on i was like what oh my god i can't wait to hear like this beautiful like wonderful verse that he wrote and i was like i literally cannot i spent like months trying to figure out where his voice was trying to place it (laughs) and I had like three different spots I was like maybe it's here maybe it's here maybe it's here but then Yoni told me that he's one of the he's one of the uh, chorus of voices uh, that all comes together and then uh, one of my favorite parts about this track is the the end the actual like samples of doctor's visits that he that he put into it. I think I read in an interview, somebody asked him like, Did the doctors know you're recording them? And he was like, Well, I don't think so. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. Um But yeah, just uh it it cements his uh sort of almost playful acceptance of the 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 health situation that he's in and um having having the actual like the, those aren't like voice actors putting in like lines that he wrote for them. Like those are actual his actual doctors telling him his actual like diagnoses or anything like that um i'm always a huge fan of like super just like raw honesty and either either in lyrics or in samples and stuff like that like i love one of my friends put out a record that he had like his mom read something that she wrote or something on it um just stuff like that that's like obviously super personal and actual like an actual part of their real life that you can it's sort of like a nugget of one of the few times you can see this person as an actual person rather than somebody who's creating music for you.
1: Yeah, and and the ending that you're talking about is also um, kind of a return, I guess, to the heavy sample Mm -hmm. uh, style Mm -hmm. that that Y, you know, was um, so...
0: That I was so fond of back in the the early years. In the early
1: years, yes, yeah.
0: They were particularly um, inclined to add stuff like that, samples, either from movies or... In Fall Saddles, you know, uh, Becky and his father, the actual voice tracks of them. That, that's, I mean, like I mentioned in the Elephant Eyelash episode, which feels like we recorded 10 years ago, um, "False Saddles is one of my favorite uh, songs for that reason, because it's its so, like, deeply related to his actual personal life.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even in, uh, uh, which song is it? January, February, March, mm-hmm. the, that transition track. Mm-hmm. It's just um, kind of the, the sound of people applauding, yeah. and then that... It's like a church bell mm-hmm. in the background, um, which, again, is referencing, you know, something kind of religious. Yeah. And
0: Even if not, like, totally in your face, it's, it's yeah, there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, again, this whole album is really dealing with the same subject matter that he always deals with, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, spirituality, death, um, disease, mm-hmm. uh, the body, but it's dealt with in such a different way. Um.
0: spiritually speaking it's dealt in a more dealt with in a more accepting way and then whenever you you mentioned the body which is I think probably one of the most uh, the clearest indications of that is in mumps whenever it's the most visceral like I can remember him talking the most about his body in mumps because it's just so like so stark like so vivid all the things that he says but this one is more uh, coded in that poetry that we always, we always go back to back in the elephant eyelash era, era. Um, but yeah like he, he's speaking He he, he hasn't uh, found, or he hasn't uh, completely abandoned his original subject matter. He's he's sort of just reworking it into a more, like, mature um, viewpoint, I would say. Yeah, it's
1: just a different outlook.
0: Um, one thing that I am... Well, one thing that I noticed whenever I listen to Proactive Evolution on, whenever we were listening to it before, is how obviously how produced it was, but especially in relation to the videos that they've been releasing recently, the, the alopecia videos, um, And seeing how much goes into the making of that album without you even realizing it. Uh, Like the the video I watched today was them deciding between like six different tambourines, which one to use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can barely hear it in the actual album once it's actually done. But the the amount of decision that goes into something and a record like Alopecia and then this, and Mokhleen, sounds so much more produced than that. So you got to wonder like how much like actual experimenting and how much deliberating goes into even the most like, subtle, nuanced parts of the entire album. It blows my mind how much work goes into all of these uh, records, not only, like, sonically speaking, but also lyrically speaking. You talked, uh, it was either you or Diane talked about in the Mumps episode that um, all of the lyrics sound very curated, and they sound exactly like, like, he he spent a lot of time deciding which words went where kind of thing. Um, and this and One Mississippi are two of the most prevalent examples of, like, that super highly produced, like, going in with a surgical precision and trying to figure out exactly how, how he wanted the album to sound, uh, which is why I think they're two of the most clear indications of how he wanted or or how he, um, wanted the record to sound just in general.
1: Yeah. Everything is extremely, um, or everything has a purpose clearly, but without feeling overworked or, um, or belabored, I guess. Um, oh yeah. Something I've kind of, uh, I guess also realized about music production because neither of us are really in that field Mm -hmm. at all. Um, I'm in
0: computer science for those. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) None of my interests line up with what, with what my uh, career pursuits are.
1: (laughs) Well, um, well, I think that, you know, listening to some more interviews and podcasts, watching videos about music production and just how, how much that goes into it and how much you, um, you don't realize. I mean, clearly we know that people work a very long time and and very hard on albums that come out. But um, I think that it really does remind me of uh, art making in the sense of uh, physically like painting. Um, You know, you, with, with painting, you really start with basic layers, you know, and then you have to, you have to build it up in a way that people who just look at the finished piece don't even realize Mm. how much work is behind that um
0: you ever listen to song exploder i don't know if you uh, i don't believe it's a podcast so. where they have uh artists this is,
1: oh oh yeah i listened to the uh tune yards one I okay think, yeah
0: it. i listened the the one that this is making me think of is the the rostam one where he, t- he goes on and he talks about bike dream um yeah just like you said like there's an initial layer that whether wh- wherever that layer is for most artists sometimes some people start with a beat sometimes people start with a you know guitar hook or something like that you can start wherever, but there's always that initial foundation that you build off of, whether it's, you know, instruments or words. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it plays really almost perfectly into the uh, parallel of visual art making, um, the idea of creating a masterpiece from the ground up and putting different pieces together to, uh, like you said, most people won't even recognize you know half of the pieces but they all work really strongly together to come together to make a really really beautiful finished product
1: yeah because the most beautiful art is something that looks effortless and you know that the most effortless things are, are the things that have the most work mm-hmm. behind them
0: yeah uh one of my friends hates mark rothko for that reason uh he, oh. he hates the idea that he's like oh it's just a big black he, he called it a fat exclamation point when oh. <laughs> we went and saw it at the dma uh but the idea of like how much subtle difference there is and uh i i i I saw this piece uh i think it was in dallas somewhere but it was just a gradient it was like a painted gradient Mm -hmm. um which you can go in and like photoshop and just or like paint or something like that and just like pop a gradient on but the idea of physically making such a like a subtle change it really struck me as almost ironic how much effort goes into something that most people will look at and be like oh that's nothing yeah um I don't know if that <laughs> feeds into what you were saying. No, I I
1: mean I'm I'm in the arts mm-hmm. so I love talking about art. But yeah. uh but um, <laughs> I'm not very good at talking about oh, art. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> but uh just just going to say that I think that um you know, obviously we really appreciate the, the time that goes into um the music making uh yeah. industry basically or yeah. i guess you know with with why
0: yeah and it's always super uh eye-opening to listen to stuff like song explode or listen to uh, listen to or read interviews and see like yeah exactly how much effort went into just this one thing that you maybe are listening to super passively on your on your drive or um you know before you go to bed or something like that
1: well i guess to get a little back on track um proactive evolution does transition into my favorite song on the album mm-hmm. which is easy yes that is also
0: uh, one of my favorites I would say it's hard for me to choose between that and george washington but um i just think the track is gorgeous and i think i latched onto it so quickly because it wasn't one of the singles i hadn't tired it out yet by the time the the album had come out yeah well
1: when the album comes out the, the first two songs are songs that we were already so familiar with mm-hmm. so then when easy comes on it it's like <gasps> it's like oh yeah, yeah Ooh, you're really excited what's this? It. yeah uh,
0: it's just that that track itself is just so absolutely gorgeous and um lyrically speaking it's more like third person and narrative than like super inwardly personal like majority of yoni's songs are um i yeah just it, gorgeous it's it's not as quiet as uh the barely blur but it's not as blown out as one mississippi or a product of evolution it's like a nice happy in between um
1: well i think we talked about last week i, I think we cut it out but we talked about how this song gives me the the same kind of emotion that something like Gemini Birthday Song mm-hmm, does—it's, yeah. it just hits that that really um, that sweet spot of uh, loveliness. I, yeah. d- I don't know uh, exactly how to describe it. There but. are some
0: tracks that even if not necessarily um, are. Outwardly pining for somebody, you can get that feeling just from the lyrics or just from the sound of it. And he does mention, you know, this sort of mysterious figure. He says, "I'm with you in the Dun La blue and, the, and just like stuff like that, like I saw you at the back of my limousine, or whatever. Feeding into what you said about how it reminds you of Gemini birthday song and stuff like that,
1: and to me, and dilemma.
0: Yeah, just the idea of having like a muse there, whether or not it's the same person every single track, just having somebody that you're you're writing this and singing this for or about, rather than just. uh spilling your guts out on a page and, and writing. Not you know not to say that one type of songwriting is necessarily better than the other, but I think it's always um, super easy to pick out whenever uh, a track like this is the way that it is, rather than being, like I said, super inwardly personal or anything like that.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that this song really uh, marries, like we said, the sweetness of something like Gemini Birthday Song mm-hmm. or Simeon's Dilemma with the satisfaction of the... Um, bouncing lyrics mm-hmm. of something like Follow Mr. Fifths. Yeah. Uh because the chorus is just so rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Um I mean the, I think it's the second chorus when he says, is that you with the sack of DQ in the yeah, cemetery? Yeah, yeah.
0: Is that
1: you? with
0: a sack DQ at the cemetery.
1: It just like it's just it
0: flows, it, it like almost cascades and crashes so beautifully from 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 the previous uh, verse into that that chorus. Um, because from a production standpoint, obviously the the lyrics are, you know, the the structure itself is similar to the to the initial chorus of the first verse or whatever. But just how effortlessly it transitions from like, it, like I said, it it's almost like pr- you're going from the top of a roller coaster and you get to the bottom as soon as the next chorus starts. Um, yeah, and I think uh, whenever you said it it marries the the satisfaction of that and and the the loveliness of something like Gemini I think it also takes um, tracks that are more pining and longing um, like Simeon Zelemma like Gemini birthday song and puts it in this um, mature like I said like I mentioned earlier like this this sort of idea that uh, he obviously as he gets older his songwriting is gonna change and it it, it takes the idea of most of this album being about the acceptance of death rather than, like, the questioning and, like, the battling against it kind of thing uh, that Alopecia does. It's sort of like, if you can imagine, a, an older version of you going back and talking to the younger version of you, like, I would love to see what Mohlin Yoni would, you know, go back and talk to uh, alopecia Ari Yoni about. Um, but sort of taking this, those same exact themes, whether it's about death, sickness, his body, or loving somebody, and putting it in this much more, like, experienced almost sagely way. Um, I think this, this, I'm glad that you brought up the comparison between this and Gemini birthday song. Cause I think this track is just like that track, but grown up almost.
1: Yeah. I I can see that. Yeah.
0: So after easy, um, like I said, we're going to be talking about every single track. So, uh, if we've missed your favorite tracks in the past, you don't have to worry about that on this one comes a transition track, uh, January, February, March from easy into one Mississippi. Um, Only words that are spoken are January, February, March. Since you've gone away, I've gone astray, but in this like warbled, uh, like really low pitched voice. obviously serving as just like a transition into the absolute just like crash of One Mississippi. That, that's all, that's the only way I can put it because it, you know, it like Proactive Evolution is so heavily produced. It's so loud. It's so, um, I don't know. It's just it's super intense uh, as opposed to the latter half of the of the album. I think it, it, this is probably the climax of, of the entire record. I would say George Washington obviously is, uh, n- it's still heavy, but not, you know, as, as much so as uh, One Mississippi. So sort of taking the, um, the the beginning of our podcast is the beginning of The Soul King. Um, that sort of like sweet uh, guitar going up into the crash of the initial uh, verse of The Soul King. But The Soul King and Proactive Evolution, I think, work really well leading up to a, a, a really explosive song like One Mississippi.
1: I really like the repetition of... Um within this album there's a lot of repeated lyrics from song to song and one mississippi is you know a great example of that within it the chorus says january february march Mm -hmm. since you've gone away which is exactly what the song before it said So, th- so then it kind of makes you go back and listen to the previous track yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and um, realize the significance of it and how it was kind of a prelude yeah. to this song that you're listening to now.
0: And uh, This Old King and George Washington also share a, a lyric where yes. he's, uh, he says... Well, they, uh, we'll, 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 well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll get We'll get, we'll to, get, it. There. We'll get to it. Um, but yeah, like I said, "When Mississippi" is one of, I think, the most... Uh, it's one of the strongest tracks, both like... Uh, sonically and also in terms of pertaining to that overarching existential that theme that I mentioned earlier. Of the album. Yeah, um it it you know we talked about last week the the comparison between the chorus of this song and the um one of the hooks in Well Water Black from 2008. Um the chorus of this being right, I've got to submit to whatever it is in control like this this acceptance this
1: uh I know I got
0: to submit to what i know stop throwing shadow on shadow and let it all go i know you say Mississippi. confession that he he doesn't understand nearly as much as he not only he thought he did but also he thought he needed to he he doesn't need to get everything you know he can he can go with the flow he can submit to whatever it is in control and he can still be happy and i you know at least comparatively between the rest of his albums i would say that he's a lot happier um definitely yeah and and, and these lyrics you know i don't want to speak for the man uh <laughs> but you know even just seeing seeing his um seeing his performances diane talked about his uh performance between when she saw him for the Mocklin tour and when she saw uh y'all saw him for the um tour after mumps how different it was! Like how much more higher energy he was, how much happier he seemed. Um, I think a lot of that feeds into the idea of his acceptance of his not insignificance, because that seems dismissive and that seems diminutive. But um, the idea of I don't know, like him him accepting the fact that he doesn't uh, have to have all the answers. You know, right? And yeah, right? No, nobody ever does, and nobody ever needs to. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I think uh, one of my favorite lines in this song, "One Mississippi," is when he says uh right here where he says my body knows more than i can form with my brain from the
0: core those ways. um that whole that whole verse where like uh like, like we talked about it being satisfying and easy um the from from one verse to the chorus just like it crashes really, really well. Yeah the the change mm-hmm. in uh, instrumentation. Yeah. I always this. find myself dancing whenever I whenever you start singing, constantly rising from. And evolving. we didn't even yeah. talk
1: about the change in inter- instrumentation in that specific part in proactive evolution, mm-hmm. uh, where it does that that kind of. Um, uh, I think it's at like one minute twenty six seconds or something. No, like something that. <laughs> something ah. maybe like that approximately. I can't remember. I can't remember yeah. exactly the time, but it's you know in the middle of the song and and. Uh, the music almost drops out mm-hmm. A, a part of evolution And the verse is just The vain slack is mm-hmm. empty That oh part Oh my god, I love that part so much part yeah. so satisfying Alone in the lack, Vein slack is empty holes Hand like a crumpled newborn foe
0: Stumbling towards a need To undefined defeat
1: But yeah, it, it reminds me of this part in mm-hmm. "When Mississippi" where he says, "constantly rising." Yeah, a lot of a plane. lot of the
0: tracks on the first half of this record, all the way even up to George Washington, just have a really satisfying sound to them. Even you and know, a part, there's a yeah. part
1: where you you're like, "Oh, I can't wait to get to yeah, this part. That part."
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. I, I would, I definitely have one of those parts in every single one of uh, the tracks. Like I said, leading up to the the slower ones. Um, I may have one for The Water or The Barely Blair or something like that. Uh, maybe the choruses, but it's not as strong and it's not as, like, it doesn't pop nearly as much as obviously these highly produced tracks do.
1: Well, the next track um, is also a transition track. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, yeah, One Mississippi is kind of bookended by these transitions. Yeah. Um, Which I
0: think also uh, maybe feeds a little bit into what I said about it being the climax. It's like the, these two tracks leading up to and then leading down from um, sort of the, the peak of at least what I consider the, this album to be um yeah
1: well the the longing is all is a a short very eerie mm-hmm. purely instrumental as far as i can recall there isn't any um
0: yeah i don't think there uh, is
1: discernible speaking and in a it. pretty
0: long instrumental track i think it's about like a, over a minute i could be wrong but, oh i guess uh, so yeah yeah but uh yeah it, it's it's sort of weird because I, I had the realization the other day that i, I had a tendency to call uh tracks like uh, the longing is all and tracks like january february march transition tracks um and sort of I think that um, phrase doesn't necessarily do all track service. I think lots of albums that are really lyrically heavy can still have instrumental tracks um, without them serving solely as a lead up or lead down from another track. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I guess I just call them that because they are on the shorter side. Yeah,
0: and not only that, but um, on this record and also throughout most of discography, they have pretty satisfying actual transitions. Right. Right. So since there's not necessarily anything super um, standout about about these transition tracks, we have a tendency to sort of obviously see them as the the part leading up to the initial well, satisfying drop of the next song coming and out. And
1: like we said, every song that follows a transition track references the yeah. previous. So they're mm-hmm. partners in a sense. Exactly, and I yeah. really see it as, yeah, like the prologue to the book and the book, mm-hmm. you know, um, they they go together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: because in the beginning of uh, George Washington, the first lines he says, are I wrote a song called The Longing Is All, which whenever I heard that. I always wondered if there was actually like a, a song that he scrapped that was called "The Longing Is All," or if the 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 song quote unquote that he wrote was just the instrumental track. Um, I, I I like to think that there's some sort of lost "Longing Is All" out there that we haven't been necessarily privy to, um, no, and we don't need to be. Like it's it's uh, I'm I'm happy that the the album came out uh, sounding the way that it did.
1: I really love the phrase "The Longing Is All." Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes along of with what we're talking about with these kind of yearning songs written um, about a muse. Yeah. Um, are either a muse or just, you know, wanting something or searching for yeah. something. And
0: Longing is a, is a word that we can attribute to a lot of, I think, different tracks, not only throughout this record, but through, you know, all of the songs that he's written. For Definitely. Sure. Whether, like you said, it's uh, particularly for a person or just like a feeling or, you know, a, a place or something like that. Um, but George Washington is, I think, like I said, easy in George Washington is so hard for me to choose between which one's my favorite. I think this one may be one of my favorites on the record, but it's definitely my favorite on the expanded edition. I want to talk about that one a little bit um, because I fucking, I adore Greg Zanya. I love Deerhoof so much. This, this uh, the remix edition that he did, honestly, is not very remixed. It's sort of like he just took the song itself and then just put like, some really like noise heavy guitar over it, and it's so fucking satisfying for whatever reason. I think George Washington, like I said, um, almost feels like a comedown from One Mississippi. It's still very high energy, but um, One Mississippi still always just like is the most explosive for me. And the the remix edition that, that Greg did, I think, brings the intensity, um, more intensity than even the rest of the record has, because it's so, like I said, very noise heavy. It's really intense. It's very like abrasive. I wrote a song called The Longing Is Old Instead
1: of calling you I'd hope that it solved me
0: He didn't necessarily, you know, reinvent the wheel with this track, but I think it adds a lot, like a really exciting flavor to it. I really don't have a whole lot of like technical reasons why I think the George Washington uh, remix is one of my favorites. I just I adore it so much. It's one of my favorite ones to listen to, um, aside from the Bailey Blur remix, which we'll get to. But uh, yeah, just ev- even even uh, I'll I'll go off of the expanded edition now and sort of talk start talking about the uh, the actual track on the actual record. Um, we were just talking about how we're not entirely sure why it's called George Washington. I know Yoni released uh, uh, like a series of different uh, drawings and watercolors and stuff leading up to the, I the love actual the art. I, yeah.
1: In a future episode, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the art yeah, yeah, yeah. of all of the album covers. But...
0: Yeah. They're all like super, uh, first of all, super interesting and really, really good, but they all have their own. Uh, he, he has a, uh, a tendency for collage art, um, at least through through the album covers, but they all feed into such different interesting themes that I would love to get to the bottom of, but I also understand nothing about art. (laughs) No. Um, But, yeah, one of of the images that he uh, released leading up to the release of – oh, actually, it was the art for the single One Mississippi, I believe. No. I actually don't think it was the – I don't think it was the um, art for any of the singles. I think it was just one of the drawings. One of the drawings inside
1: the – So,
0: yeah, he he released this uh, series of drawings – uh, oh, yeah, I remember actually, because remember, all the drawings are super cryptic, like he would post them on Instagram, uh, I think through the Y uh, profile, and with no caption whatsoever, just all of a sudden, like after a relatively like, I mean, I think they updated some, you know, relatively their social media, but once they started dropping these, uh, yeah, okay, now it's all coming back to me. I said earlier that we, you know, we weren't really surprised whenever we heard the Makhlin was uh, being released. But I remember seeing this initial watercolor and being like, my jaw just dropped. And I immediately texted you and Diane. I was like, what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> like, I have to know. Uh, they, they started releasing a series of uh, the, these different uh, watercolors and drawings that Yoni, Yoni had um, created, one of them being an image of this old king, uh, one of them being an image of George Washington, I think with, like, the dollar bill next to him or something like that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, you know, aside from that, I haven't seen any other indication of why it could be called that? Um,
1: I mean, I was kind of wondering if w- whether or not it was a reference to um, that painting of Washington crossing the Delaware. Very well could uh, be. It's th- a very art-heavy th-
0: episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a very heavily um, parodied uh-huh. painting. And, of course, the lyrics talk about swelling and crashing. Mm-hmm. And even the album cover of Moline has a beach and waves mm-hmm. on it. Uh, so... That's kind of what I was thinking of, very kind guessing, of a yeah. uh, tr- uh, kind of a journey forward, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I guess I don't want to say that yeah. that that's what they intended, but that's kind of what I always imagined. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's canon now. We, uh. we have decided <laughs> that it is true fact. Um, no, but yeah, I, I guess I never really even considered that. Um, I think I, I think the idea, like you said, of moving forward is is obviously really strong in this record, so that very well could be it. Um, if that is it. Let us know if that's not it. Please don't let us, us know. Us. Let, yeah. let us live in our blissful ignorance <laughs> and pretend like we figured something out. Um, but this is one of my favorite songs to hear, uh, both on the record and live, solely because of that sweet-ass drum solo that Josiah does, very that fucking Phil Collins in the air tonight style. Like I, uh, Whenever that, that comes on, um, whenever they play it live, as soon as I hear the, the transition of The Longing Is All, my eyes just lock on Josiah, and I'm like, do it I need to see it. <laughs> I need to see you do this jump <laughs> solo it's just so satisfying
1: when and push a little closer
0: and then uh, the chorus is is another one of those examples I guess I don't i mean I, we're harping on it a lot on this album because i haven't really noticed it in other albums the the, the super satisfying like release into the chorus from the initial verse um whenever he says in well it's when it swells on me it just that that super satisfying feeling you get like whenever uh you know exactly what i'm about to talk about whenever we see it live i always like uh, whether I'm standing next to you or Diane, like I just like, <laughs> whenever he says and push a little, cl- like I'll nudge y'all. a little Yeah. Bit, just like, I yeah. can't <laughs> listen to this song now without <laughs> thinking of that. <laughs> thinking about unfortunately. That. Yeah. Cause I did it. Uh, I think both times that we, that we saw them. I guess all three times. Yeah. I did all three times.
1: I don't even you know. remember. I don't
0: know what it. it's, it's, it's a literal visceral gut reaction that I have to the song that like, I can't not do whenever I listen to it. Um, but yeah, it's just like this, this, the sort of, uh, swell and crash of, of, uh, um, The lyrics themselves and like the way that they sound um super satisfying throughout the entire record but particularly in george washington at least to me i think that may be why it's one of my favorites it's not necessarily like the the most uh grand out of all of them you know it's not as uh intense as one mississippi and uh proactive evolution are but it's nice it's satisfying enough
1: he is having a snack <laughs> over there.
0: Yeah, my my cat is crunching on her food just just right next to us. Um, she has a lot to say about why, but she's uh, Mike shy, so she's not gonna
1: she's not gonna. Oh, I, she would not be Mike shy she if she theory. could talk. <laughs> she we could wouldn't be you. able to <laughs> shut her up.
0: Um, I love my cat very much, but nobody else loves her as yeah. much as I do. Uh, but this uh this we we talked about uh tracks referencing other tracks on this uh record um, and we mentioned that. This that George Washington and this old king share a, a lyric, which is "A new love blooms on the log notes of old horns." A new love
1: blooms on the long
0: notes of old horns. Just super, um, not cinematic, but super uh, poetic, super beautiful. Just like a, a really like cleanly written line. Um, you can tell it's one of those lines that like he he just had the idea of while writing, and it was like trying to figure out a way to like where to place it in the record. And he found two really good spots to put it in the record. But after uh, George Washington comes the sort of, um, second act of, of the, of the record, at least that's how, I, that's how I see it. Uh, starting with the water. Definitely. Like, a, like I said, sup- we were surprised or at least I was surprised. I want to speak for you, but yeah, listening to this, this track in relation to the other tracks that had dropped and sort of being taken aback at how quiet and like, uh, Subtle. Subtle, yeah. Uh, not lo-fi in the sense of production, but sort of uh, lower intensity of these tracks. Um, almost a nice, uh, like a chaser, or like, a, like a break after <laughs> after how intense the rest of the record was. Um, really pretty short song. There's not much to it in terms of lyrical meat. There's a verse and then the repeated outro. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, this track doesn't really... Uh, stand out to me as much as the rest of them do because there's there's a lot less to talk about both lyrically and also it's just a lot uh quieter
1: um well i kind of wanted to yeah. talk about this track i think we have to. We're gonna uh, do this. <laughs> <laughs> only you can talk <laughs> uh i i think we have pretty differing opinions about this track and i guess the uh, final three tracks mm-hmm. um i do agree that when i first listened to the album these three didn't stand out as much to me mm-hmm. uh or at least the, the last two i guess but um well, I don't know that even that's not necessarily true. But I think the
0: last two, particularly for me, the water still still holds pretty pretty strongly for me. But, well, but
1: yeah. well, yeah. Re-listening to the water, and I think even hearing it live, um, it has a, a a darker sound than than the rest of the songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, not counting uh, kind of the eeriness of um, the longing Is all, mm-hmm. but i don't know the the water starts off so um and so unexpected i guess so so Mm -hmm. differently than the um,
0: that's the water right
1: yeah yeah Yeah. it starts with that kind of deep Mm -hmm. um intro and (laughs) uh yeah i've given up trying to imitate the song so i I will do do it with
0: no shame yeah yeah
1: Well, this one of course is called the water yeah. I, the, I think we're realizing this there's yeah. a lot of water imagery I, you realize this I, and, I will take no credit in this, this album yeah. well again like the album cover itself yeah uh is has the ocean on it but wow how did i
0: how did that go <laughs> <laughs> i've been listening to this album oh. nonstop for a year and i did not realize water was as important. it was a theme this, yeah.
1: yeah uh well, I think there's something cyclical about about water and mm-hmm. and and again, like the crashing of the waves uh, that he references in the previous song, like we just talked about. But and then, of course, this song he talks about um, being with his brother. And mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the kind of the weirdness of that lyric? Yeah,
0: I guess because I'm because I brought it up to you last week. I don't think it made it into our uh, into the actual recording that we put out. But when he says, um, "Hey, uh, stop, <laughs> Here. <laughs> my cat is staring at my couch. <laughs> she owns this place. It's fine. Um, one of the lyrics is, uh, "And out on the water, me and my little brother, we don't say shit for hours." Um, and I would, or I remember maybe even longer, or, or maybe even longer than, than a couple hours. Um, I remember listening to that track and then once that lyric came up, like sort of the, the shitty dumb know-it-all brain of mine was just like, wait, Yoni doesn't have a little brother. (laughs) It's like, what? Excuse me? Like, um, I don't know why, but yeah, that stood out to me. And, uh, we've talked about how Yoni doesn't always necessarily talk about himself or his own personal experiences. You know, he, he's, he's a really, really, he has a, uh, strong talent of crafting narratives that are loosely based on his own personal experiences, but not necessarily directly lifted from, um, but I do wonder what, um, like, what that what that reference is for, like me and my little brother, whether Josiah wrote the song or he's writing it from the perspective of somebody who's, like, what what strength does the image of a little brother hold for the theme of this song? Um, that's something that I've never really been able to piece together myself. You know, I I feel like I have a pretty strong grasp on uh, a lot of the the themes that run through this uh, discography, um, but that one's always eluded me just that tiny little line has always stuck with me for whatever reason, just because I think once I realized that I didn't understand it, I was like, how fucking dare this. Oh. <laughs> it's like, how dare they? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Continue.
1: Well, I think the familial reference, um, is just really touching. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you think it just plays in mostly to, to the soothing, like the actual, like calming, beautiful. Aspect yeah. I, I'm
1: sure it's, I'm sure it's referencing something that mm-hmm. we just, we just haven't learned or don't know. Um, but you know, whenever Yoni, or um whoever whoever's voice he's speaking through references family whether it's mom or mm-hmm. um yeah another Am I sibling or worse. <laughs> yeah mom mm-hmm. and my failing are worse um uh it's always again really personal and um touching
0: yeah and just and it, yeah just the idea of like you said referencing a family referencing some, something so deeply personal whether or not it has something to do with the person listening or the person writing it it'll always evoke a strong feeling um, every single time around,
1: and then the outro where he just says, "I'm trying." I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah,
0: which is like. I don't know the the. I would say the most vulnerable he might be on on the track. Uh, like I, I would say he's he's bearing it all on this track or on on, this album on sorry yeah on this record um he's bearing it all on this record for sure but this is the most like um almost like shrinking like like i'm i'm not i don't know because in in earlier tracks he talks about you know i'm i'll submit to whatever it is in control like i'm not the master of my own destiny or whatever but this one sounds almost like pleading like he's like um you know have patience with me i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying kind of thing um whether that feeds, uh, whether that goes directly into the, the theme of the of the record, or if it, I think it works really well with the idea of, like um, you said, family, almost uh, subtly brought up in the in this track. Um, yeah, it's just like almost heartbreaking. Uh, like just even reading through the lyrics or hearing it, um, you know, on a fourth, fifth, or sixth listen, you know, you kind of realize like, oh man, this isn't as uh, you know self referential or you know melancholy as I initially thought. It's you know pretty sad. And then uh, after this, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm after uh, The Water Comes Consequence of Non-Action, which is uh, more of a, um, at least in my opinion, this track is more of a, a sh- stream of consciousness written to the, to the um, w- maybe uh, instruments written around it. A lot of the, it's very verse heavy. Uh, he, he's got the bridge where he repeats Don't Dig Out That Mode Again, Don't Dig Out That
1: Yeah, mode. I mean, I'm still chewing on this one. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, again, it's another one that's not as... Um, immediately i don't want to say immediately satisfying mm-hmm. but um immediately understood mm-hmm. i guess i think the title is really strong yeah um similar to the long is all to me
0: mm-hmm. sort of just these like almost uh catch phrases that sum up some of the feelings that he may have had while he was writing
1: yeah well it's what well, it, it it um indicates a kind of helplessness mm-hmm. uh i also think that this song because it starts off so subtle uh you can kinda like you tend to zone out when mm-hmm. listening to it when in reality you you really should be listening to yeah. what he's saying and Th-
0: this track most intently almost out of all of them because mm-hmm. like I said of how verse heavy it is.
1: Yeah, and it it really builds. It's it's a song that really rewards the listener because mm-hmm. it's one that you may want to skip at first. Um but the ending is, is really strong and mm-hmm. again like we keep repeating it, it kind of crashes into this um
0: don't dig out
1: that mode yes again. yeah don't dig out that mode again I still need and it might be you exactly the um did we put that in the last no, episode no we didn't yeah this
0: i don't know if it's a reference to um well it's, it's the exact same line that, that he writes in one of his uh, one of the tracks on his Snow Jams cover tape, Moat, and he says don't dig out that moat again. Don't dig out that moat again. Love don't dig out that mode again in my head. just a throw I, I i really have nothing else to say about that other than that's a line lifted directly from a tape that he or from from a song that he had either covered or written i'm still uh, the jury's still out my jury me the judge <laughs> and executioner is still out on whether um that song is a cover or an original song because i have not been able to find um the original song if it is a cover even though the rest of the the songs on that uh, on the tape are covers all that being said this is just a line lifted from from uh that, a previous, the, yeah, a previous, why or a previous project. Yoni project, yeah, uh, called Moat off of the Snow Jam's tape. Snow Jam's tape, beautiful tape, really good to listen to, particularly in the uh, autumn and winter time. If you oh, want to listen awesome. to it, I would, I would uh, give it a few months to listen to it, and it's super satisfying. But don't dig out that Moat again.
1: Well, I there there's a um, interview that came out, I I believe it was with Vice. I I don't want to mm-hmm. say for sure um, about this album that yoni did and he kind of talked about this song um being basically he said the he he said the consequence of non-action is um loss Mm -hmm. and he talked about it being somewhat political uh at least a little bit in the sense of you know there's so much in a sense terrible stuff going on in the world and and now i'll switch to i guess my opinion because i don't want to speak too much for him but um it's like it's so hard to care about all this horrible stuff that's going on in the world when you're like barely making it on your own in your own life mm-hmm. and you're like I'm uh, you don't know, like he said he said I'm trying I'm trying to get through this um I don't have the time to care about the rest of the world mm-hmm. and then that that uh that selfishness or it's not selfishness to mm-hmm. to to care about yourself or your health mm-hmm. or your well-being but you know the title of this track ask what is the consequence of not doing anything mm-hmm. and i think that's something that you know uh is gonna sit with me over time listening to the song um in the future i think it will eventually like fully click for me yeah i'm glad um, we talked so
0: much about this because this is a track that i've never done justice and i'm glad that you brought that up because now this is definitely something the the idea of rewarding the listeners is gonna stick with me now i'm gonna actually like Whenever this track comes on, if I'm driving, I'm going to pull over. I'm going <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> to park. Give us some patience. All, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, do you want to go on to the final track?
0: Yeah, if, you, if you're if cool you ready. Let's do it. All right. This is our the final track of the most recent album. Uh, and I am going to like emphasis on the word final because of the finality that is felt on this track. Uh, the track being the Barely Blur. We talked, I don't think it was last week. I think it was a couple weeks ago whenever we talked about... After we listened to Muckleen, I was fucking scared that he was never going to write again because of how much of an ending this. You know, we've we've talked about all of all of the tracks on all of his albums being really good final tracks. Um, exegesis um, as a card, as a card, act
1: or not activate. Uh, light leaves. What is that? Is it light leaves? Light leaves is the final track. Light like leaves. And um,
0: and then Eskimos. Knows. Eskimos. Is that is that the title? Is that the final track? The title track is the last one. Okay. Um. I, I have not gone as far as to memorizing all the checklists, so thank you. Um, but yeah, we've talked about all of the all of the tracks standing really strongly as as final tracks. Um, but this one feels like the final of the final tracks. Uh, I don't know if you would agree or not, but uh, th- this is the one like that scared me into thinking like, man, this really sounds like a like a sort of theatrical finish. Like, and then you know, that's all she wrote. You know, that's all he wrote.
1: Well, the previous end tracks are. Um kind of like a, a teasing of his death mm-hmm. saying like, Oh, I could do it. Yeah. You know, I could make this happen. Um, you know, yeah, kind of, uh, uh almost a playing with the idea of suicide mm-hmm. or, yeah. or at really the end. Mumps, you know, that, that sort of, the, I'll hold that my own is death yeah. as a card in the deck, yeah. but, like, um, am I going to play it? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. A, a kind of, um, joking almost, yeah. uh, it's like a frivolous, um, fear, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, whereas this song is actually feels like it is, It is the process of death
0: yeah like it's it's this gorgeous piano ballad it's definitely the calmest on the entire record yeah
1: and it's not dark yeah um i mean obviously the the subject matter if if you take it to be you know a death or about death Mm -hmm. is dark but um and i don't necessarily know if that's what they intended but it does feel very much to me like someone passing um into something it it feels like
0: into the barely beyond.
1: exactly well exactly yes um this song feels like, um, I was trying to imagine, you know, visuals for it and you can't help thinking of like evening time, mm-hmm. twilight, or maybe even a sunrise, but some um, water, <laughs> well, some kind of yeah. interim, you know, okay. like a, a transition, yeah. you know, uh, into something yeah. and, and it's like purgatory. Ooh, that's dark. Yeah. Um, ooh, we're getting, <laughs> we're wow. getting
0: morbid, but yeah, this, um, I think going back to what we talked about, the idea of taking themes from previous albums and maturing them into an almost sagely wisdom, like, oh, I finally understand, um, taking the idea of death and finality and um, turning it into something beautiful rather than something to be terrified of or like uh, uh, like caustically playing with. Almost. Right, and
1: something I was going to lead up to was that um, it, this this song almost feels like the fifth stage of grief mm-hmm. in a way, which is of course acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, and you could maybe even go back and analyze the endings of the other songs being a different stages of grief, yeah. you know, denial or angler, you know? Deny, deny. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so acceptance doesn't necessarily mean you want it to happen mm-hmm. or you're happy about it happening, but it means that you're not afraid anymore. Yeah.
0: You got to submit to whatever it is in control. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But no, I think like you know, on this final album, on this final analysis that we're doing, we're realizing that you know there's a, there's a lot more that goes uh, into uh, this record, not only through this record, but from previous records. Like there's, you you I, I've always said that you, um, you can very clearly see him growing up as he as uh, like through through the process of this of these records. Elephant Eyelash is more almost carefree, um, with Alopecia being just this deep deep dark hole, and then Mumps being a way that he coped uh, with. Crawling out of that dark hole. Um, and Eskimo Snow being, uh, you know, the, the almost flip side to that, to that depressive slump that he's in. And then this being like the, you know, he's finally back on top. You know, he, he's, he's, uh, relatively, he, he's calmer. He's, you know, he's accepted it. He's, uh, older now. He, he gets it. He's not as, uh, maybe he's stressed for different reasons, but, uh, maybe not as nihilistic or existentially, uh, sh- freaked out all the time. But yeah, this, um, strike the, at the end of this track and l- like I said the, the entire like just speaking to the 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 sonic aspect of of this strike it's gorgeous it's really open um just piano playing um, and the the ending of it where he just repeats hold on what's going on you know he's just repeating this phrase basically into the ether hold on. What's finality that that's going on in this entire track was what really um scared me <laughs> whenever I whenever I listened to it obviously very selfishly so I was like oh he's not gonna make any more music for me <laughs> like um but I think yeah it just this this is one of the most um refined final tracks that he has um and I think it could pr- serve perfectly to uh, honestly bookend his uh his his career um as at least why. Not to say that I think he should stop writing music, I think he should never stop writing music, I will ingest it until the day that I die. But um, yeah, I've just very seldom have heard a, uh, a track that so clearly indicates where a person is at, at, at their, at their uh, particular stage in their writing process in their life. All right, well, uh, it seems that we have reached the end of the end. Uh, and it's time for us to move into the barely blur beyond. Uh, we will have another episode. Yeah.
1: I think, I think name. we'll have at least one more episode mm-hmm. yeah, talking we, about side projects yep. that Yoni has been a part of.
0: Yeah. Do you want to say what those side projects are? Or do you want to wait until next week? To oh,
1: we'll wait. Cause I feel like there's too many to list. Yeah.
0: Really. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. I was going to pick one, but, um, Oh, I see. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but we'll talk about them all. It's going to be a six hour long episode. So, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we can run through some of them and, t- yeah. and then talk about our favorites. But, yeah. We yeah, basically back. we'll be back for at least one more episode mm-hmm. next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
0: Yeah, to you and thank you to the Arcav e Network for having us. Um, if you have been listening, like, let us know. You know where to reach us. It's super humbling to see that like people are actually listening to these like just rambles that her- that Rachel and I are having about the. Obviously, we put a lot of time and effort into into thinking and you know researching these albums. But the idea that anything that I have to say means anything to somebody else who likes this this artist is just like blows my mind it's so, so if you have been listening even if you haven't been enjoying if you have criticisms of something that i've been saying let me know if you have criticisms of something that rachel has been saying don't let her know <laughs> <laughs> um i have but a weak ego yeah that, that being said uh we will see you next week see ya see ya Bye bye